Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me today is Clinton Matos. Hello everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. You guys looking forward to the weekend? Uh, yes, um, because I want to sleep. But <laughs> no, because I've got a lot of stuff to do. So, as with every weekend. <laughs> uh, and yourself, Robin? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I guess I'm stuck in purgatory as well. Uh, you want to rest up, but you also have things to do because the there's not enough time in the weekday weekdays, unfortunately. Yeah, I get you. It's uh, one of those one of those uh, one of those things where you you look forward to the weekend, and then by Sunday you're kind of like, "What have I really done on my weekend? Absolutely nothing." Oh well, I guess weekend. I'll take a nap. Three day weekend win. <laughs> We need, a, we need a fight for it, guys. I need it. Uh, Clinton, let's start with you as we dive into the news of the week. You've got some news about uh, a new Aliens game. Yes, yeah, so we are in the process of reviewing Aliens Fighting Elite. I know reviews came out um, earlier this week from some other publications, but we got our codes a bit late. And also, um, as I'll talk about now a little bit and in the review, the game is really hard. And I don't know, I, I really don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I think it's more to do with the fact that I am playing it with one other human being and one AI. And I think having an AI in the squad is really hurting us. I, I don't know, because sometimes the AI gets more kills than the two humans. So I don't know what we're doing wrong. I've been looking up some guides and they all are telling me to do what I'm already doing. So the difficulty is insane and it's kind of BS. Uh, for example, uh, so I'm writing the review, but helping me play through it is Sahil, our freelancer. And we spent, uh, I think it was about 45 mesh, uh, minutes in this mission. And the whole mission was going fine. And then literally in the last two minutes, we got swarmed by five bosses at once and we died. And if you don't finish a mission, all the progress you made is gone. And you don't get any progression, no credits, no experience, no anything. So, it and was, don't you have to pay a currency in order to access a mission? Um, geez, I don't think so. If that happened, I didn't notice it. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as I can tell, no. Um, and Brendan, you also got a code. I don't know. Did you? Did it say that at some point? Yeah. So, uh, to in order to run missions, you need to pay a certain currency that you earn by doing missions, um, and the only way you can do that is by completing missions. So, it's a it's a bit of a weird one. Um, so, if you're playing as a team of three uh, you, and somebody gets disconnected, uh, you can either leave with them when they've been disconnected, uh, or you. And and then you have to pay to do that mission again. Otherwise, uh, obviously these are these are in-game things. I'm not talking about real-world money. It's currency that you earn within the game. So yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one if you ask me. I didn't notice that when we were playing, but I might have missed it. And also, I've been saving all my money to buy flamethrowers. So <laughs> maybe it said that and I missed it. It has a lot of weird gameplay mechanics. And again, I mentioned all of them in the review. So if that is true it really wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of, it seems unnecessarily punishing. And it seems like the best way to win is just to grind easy levels to get experience because your your player character has experience, but then the guns you use also have experience. So I unlocked that flamethrower last night, but it, it was absolute trash because it was level one. 
And the weapons I've been using literally since the start of the game, we're about eight hours in now, are a higher level. So I don't. I think the game wants me and expects me to now go back to missions I've already done and missions I don't particularly like and play them again just to level up these weapons. Again, I'm going to play more, but I'm not having the best time right now because it's just been frustrating. And some of the parts that I do like, like the um, the great art direction and the attention to detail and some of the music and sound effects are kind of being washed out by the really frustrating nature of a lot of it. Mm. So yeah, we'll have a full review. I just wanted to cover a little bit of it this week while I was doing some playthroughs and just basically some early impressions. It's okay. Um, I really hope I really hope it's on my side and I'm missing something crucial. And I don't think it is because the day, the game didn't even have a tutorial. Brendan, mm. you played the opening. Did you see a tutorial or anything? Nope. So <laughs> I I started playing. I went to a vendor. They said, "Do you want to do this mission?" I was like, "Sure, let's do the mission." I did the mission. Um, I played it on the easiest difficulty, though. I will so say that. So did I. On casual, I had, yeah. we t- we started on normal, and we got smoked in the first mission of the game. So I I was playing alone. So I had two bots with me. But what I found is that at a certain point, I didn't even have to worry about like ninety percent of the xenomorphs. Like what would happen is I would get to an area where obviously you were going to be attacked by enemies. You clear out that area, and then I went to the next area and just ran through it ignoring half of the enemies because i realized that i didn't actually need to kill them to progress to the next area so yeah. i mean this is something i kind of picked up from destiny really where there are certain areas where you can just move through without having to kill enemies um and i kind of applied that here and it just it, it kind of felt like for, from the very few minutes that i played i, I kind of got the impression like this was the gameplay loop that i was going to be going through for a long time and I kind of lost interest very quickly. Well, the good slash bad news is that very quickly from the second mission, you need to kill a lot of aliens to progress. And it won't open doors or let you get onto elevators or just end the level until you've killed a lot of guys. So there are some instances where if you just stand around, you'll get swarmed and you need to get somewhere to kind of end the mission again there's a lot of waiting for elevators to arrive which is again a lot of the design is also very lazy a lot of it is some ridiculous reason why you just need to stand around and wait for a bar Mm. to fill up while a hundred things attack you and i understand that's kind of part of this horde uh pve situation a lot of games have done this i mean payday 2 is infamous for standing around waiting for a drill to work so I understand why the game does this, but it's just, it's frustrating. And yeah. I, I don't play games to be frustrated. Uh, I play games to relax, even when it is for work. So again, uh, those are my early impressions. They might not be very positive right now, but I'm at least a bit vindicated by the fact that I am playing it with someone and both of us are having a very similar experience, which is not very good. So I have a, a review next week, hopefully. It depends how much I rage quit. Last night was the first time I've been legitimately salty with the game in a long time. We we failed that really long mission, and I said to Sahil, I, "I'm not playing it again tonight. I can't. I'm I'm too I'm too angry." So yeah, little man child moment there. <laughs> that's Aliens Fire Team Elite. Strangely enough, it's on um, Steam and console, and on the Steam, it's got uh, how many? Three thousand three hundred thirty reviews, and eighty four percent of them are positive. So again, could be a problem with me. Could be a problem with the game. Could be both. 
And we'll have a full review uh, next week, hopefully. Robin, you, uh, you've got some news about a new smartphone on the market, or coming to the market, rather. Yeah, um, anyone remember Huawei? Um, uh, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, they've been a bit quiet of late. Uh, we haven't seen any new devices, but that changed this week. Uh, they're launching two new devices under their Nova series, which I guess is a more affordable, uh, quote-unquote, youth-focused, uh, I hate to use that, it's kind of marketing terms, uh, <laughs> Devices, uh, we were on hand at the launch event uh, earlier this week. We got to check out uh, the Nova 8 and the Nova Y60. Um, the former is, the, I guess, the better spec of the two. Uh, both devices are uh, available for pre-order now and are, I guess, available for a wider release uh, uh, to purchase as of 1st September. Uh, we actually have the Nova 8 in for review at the moment. Uh, and I've been able to play around with the phone a little bit and kind of give my first impressions, which we will link to at the bottom of the post. Um, but yeah, Nova 8, uh, I think like a lot of Chinese uh, devices that we are seeing in 2021, uh, really well-specced, aggressively priced, uh, great value for money. But in the case of the Huawei version, uh, there is one glaring hole. And that is, of course, a lack of support for Google and the Play Store. Yep. Um, Huawei's kind of ecosystem now is purely driven by HMS and the App Gallery. And while you can work around it and you can use APKs to access uh, particular apps, uh, that's okay for me as a tech journalist. I've been reviewing phones for the better part of a decade now. I can work around those issues. I'm not too sure if the average consumer who's mm. used to a Android and a Google-driven smartphone experience will be able to handle this. And I think this is this is going to probably be uh, the summary of reviews for Huawei devices moving forward. Great tech, great design, uh, really powerful, uh, great camera experience, but it, uh, its software is letting it down. And it's not a mark against Huawei. Um, they've had to pivot very quickly and try to really develop this ecosystem in a short amount of time. And they have done well, but... The issue here is that uh, consumers are expecting a particular experience uh, from a Huawei phone. And right now, I'm not too sure HMS and App Gallery are able to deliver what is expected. And um, the, the Nova 8 kind of encapsulates that entire experience. Um, we really like the design of the phone. It really feels premium. It feels on par with the P-series and Mate series phones of late that we've been seeing like the blush gold uh, color option it, uh, it's really eye-catching and i'm sure will win over a lot of consumers just from an aesthetic standpoint mm -hmm. uh, the ui is relatively clean um but has those issues that we kind of mentioned with regards to the app delivery system um camera great uh so far we haven't really tested out the low light aspects uh to date but uh, it's got a 64 megapixel main camera and then a trio of lenses around it uh, 8 megapixel ultra wide, 2 megapixel macro, and 2 megapixel depth settings. So, as far as a specification standpoint, it's hitting all the marks. It's the software that I think is going to frustrate mm. and potentially turn off a lot of people. Um, but we'll have a fully fledged review uh, probably in the second week of September. But those are these are kind of my first impressions of the device, which on paper looks really good, but in hand there is one glaring issue, and that's the software. So I think it's probably something that Huawei will have to uh, cope with 
in the next couple of years. Uh, if it can stay it out, uh, potentially we could see HMS and Harmony OS, for example, uh, develop in, into something that can actually rival Android. But in its current state, I think there is still a lot of work to be done. So yeah, those are kind of my first impressions of the device. Uh, I don't think I mentioned the pricing. Uh, the Nova 8 uh, is available for 10,999 Rand, and the Nova Y60 comes in at 3,099 Rand. Those are the recommended retail prices. Uh, but yeah, our, our full thoughts on the devices will be shared uh, probably second week of September. Before we yeah. go on, I just want to ask you, because you, I, I did read your review before we, we started the podcast. Why are there adverts in the operating system? That is something that's new to me. So I've been using, uh, I use a P30 Pro as my daily driver. That is Android based and it still supports uh, Google Play Store. But there is App Gallery loaded on the phone as well. Whenever I enter the App Gallery, just to check whether other apps are available or kind of what's happening in the in the marketplace, I have never been greeted with the ad wall before. Um, so that was really really weird to me. Uh, I'm not too sure if Huawei doing that to appeal to developers to kind of incentivize the fact that they can I don't know get get more eyeballs on their product. Um, but yeah. I, I'm hoping that changes down the line because I would get really frustrated by that. Do you remember uh, what the adverts were for? It was for an app. I can't remember which one. I think it was one of the ones that are probably in the featured column or the promoted column within the app gallery. So uh, it wasn't just like, a, here's your first time using the app gallery. This is a tutorial. It was a proper advert for a product to take your money. Yeah, it, it, it was a five-second ad wall, and then after that, I, I clicked skip. Wow. And I could then enter the app gallery, which uh, I was less than pleased about. Big yikes. Big yikes. Mm. But I think that this is, in, this is indicative of a wider problem that Huawei has at the moment, as you mentioned, Roman. Uh, just anecdotally, the few people that I've spoken to ha- who have bought a Huawei phone since the, uh, they were placed on the entity list by the U.S. government, um, they have been. They have felt incredibly burned by the fact that they can't access Google services, and incredibly upset that Huawei didn't make this absolutely clear to them when they purchased the phone. Um, so, I, I, to Huawei's credit, though, in recent months, I have seen an uptick in the amount of notices that they give customers before they purchase a phone, where they say that this doesn't run Google mobile services; it uses Huawei mobile services instead. Um, but I don't know if the regular person in the street knows what the difference is. Um, And yeah, I don't know. To me, this just, I don't know if Huawei can can survive the storm, especially with pressure from the likes of of Oppo and uh, Xiaomi coming to the fore uh, around the world, not just here in South Africa. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for them because this isn't really of their doing. Uh, They're kind of at the mercy of what the US government has said. Um, but yeah, wouldn't it be the first time the Americans have screwed up other countries? Well, yeah, yeah. very topical. It's not, uh, it's baseball isn't the favorite pastime of America, it's uh, going to other countries and messing things up, but bringing uh, freedom to your country, quote, 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 <laughs> quotes. Anyway, let's not, let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, this week, the OnlyFans saga reached a conclusion. Um, if you don't know what happened, last week OnlyFans announced that it would no longer allow adult content as of the 1st of October this year. Um, and now this week, 
it walked that back, but not before it caused many issues for itself. Uh, among those issues, the OnlyFans CEO, Stim to- Stim. Tim Stokely uh, conducted an interview with the Financial Times in which he blamed three banks for the policy choice. Uh, he named uh, Bank of New York Mellon, the Metro Bank in the UK, as well as JP Morgan Chase as uh, banks which had allegedly made it very difficult for OnlyFans to conduct business, including paying its members. Uh, JP Morgan allegedly went so far as closing the accounts of uh, sex workers or any business that supports sex workers, uh, Stokely alleged. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he kind of put to rest rumors that MasterCard's new rule change coming through in October uh, had had forced it to change the policy. Uh, he said, we're already fully compliant with the new MasterCard rules, so that had no bearing on the decision. Um, but Essentially, so Stokely came out and said, well, we can't do this because banks are the problem. And then about a day later, uh, OnlyFans said that they had found a, uh, to quote them exactly, we have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1 policy change. Um, OnlyFans stands for inclusions in inclusion and will continue to provide a home for all creators so in short uh, adult content is still allowed on OnlyFans, um and it will not be taken away which says to me that it seems tim stokely realized that there are more than three banks in the world um or this was an entire mess that could have been avoided if OnlyFans had come out from the offset and said we are working to find another banking partner who will support us and the sex workers that are part of our platform um, but they didn't do that. In fact, I think that this will be a really good lesson for marketing school uh, in the future where you can look at how best to do public relations and why public relations is so important because I think that a lot of creators feel incredibly burned by this and will not be going back to OnlyFans as a result. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a complete mess that could have been avoided by saying simply standing up and saying, we have faced pressure from uh, our banking partners but we are looking for replacements. Simple as. Uh, if, I, that's, if that's going to upset your existing partner, well, why do you care? Because you're going to leave them for somebody else in the meantime at the end of the day. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the millions and millions that OnlyFans brings in every month would be a pretty sizable carrot for them to use uh, with bargaining with other with other platform, other banks. Um, so yeah, an entire mess that was just really poorly handled by OnlyFans. Um, one of the things that really, really hit me was uh, earlier this week, they said that we stand with sex workers and we will continue to work with them um, only for its terms of service to say something completely different. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. This whole thing has just been a complete mess up from OnlyFans' side. Uh, and I would not be surprised if uh, adult content creators just leave it behind and then OnlyFans can deal with the, the trainers and the other folks that it seemingly yes. only wants on its platform. Yeah, um, I still think we're yeah. missing some key parts of the story that are... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. ...under NDA or said behind closed doors that we're not privy to. Because it just... Even with the explanation that, oh, it was the evil banks behind all of this, it, it just smells funny, right? It just yeah. doesn't, doesn't track in terms of logic. If this was a book, someone would review it and say, that doesn't, uh, that's not how humans behave. So, yeah, I still think something weird happened that we're not being told. 
Um, and I don't want to conjecture about what it is because I could be sued. So <laughs> we're, that's the official story as it's been told to by us. Yeah. So um, if you if you're an OnlyFans content creator, uh, maybe start looking somewhere else. I'm, I'm not saying that you should, but it, it can't hurt to have options, right? Uh, let's move on. This week was a very very busy week in gaming because uh, Gamescom was on. Well on in inverted commas uh, mostly took place online um and we've got a few titles that caught our eye during uh, the presentation uh mainly through uh jeff neely's uh one night or opening night live um but there were a few other titles that caught our eye so i think let's start with you clinton because uh you you spotted a game that i think has a really weird title but it's worth talking about called cult of the lamb so it won't surprise people probably um, that this is a title from Devolver Digital, one of my favorites. <laughs> and the way I describe this in my story, and again, everything that we mentioned today will be linked to and you can read more about it. This is like Happy Tree Friends, but instead of random violence and murder, it's cultism <laughs> violence and murder. Oh, that's so much what, better. Yeah. If you don't know what a Happy Tree Friends is, oh boy, <laughs> do I have a rabbit hole for you to go down. So... Happy Tree Friends was basically a cartoon. I don't know when it ran to. It was the early 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. And it was basically a very cutesy animal cartoon. Uh, but then after a few minutes, there's blood and guts and gore and like slapstick murder and death. And that sounds repulsive. And it kind of is. Um, I remember we discovered it at, on Christmas Day at a, at a family event where we were all just watching random stuff on TV while waiting for the food to come out. And my cousins and I were having a grand old time laughing at it, and all the adults in the room were horrified. So <laughs> that gives you an idea of what's on offer here. And this is being made by a new developer. I'm just trying to find the name. So you play as a lamb. That's why it's called Court of the Lamb. That is about to be killed. And when you are killed, you are saved by some benevolent spirit. And the spirit wants you to start a cult. And you... Um, this game looks like it has two distinct parts. One where you're going into a dungeon and gathering resources and followers and all of that. And then you fight bosses, which are other false prophets or false idols. And then with the resources you get from that, you grow your cult. And we don't know what the end game is, obviously, because this was just announced. But it looks like you just want to take over this land with your, your giant murder cult. Um, and the developer here is Massive Monster, which has made a few other games that I'm, I'm going to be honest I haven't heard of before. Uh, one is even called The Adventure Pals which looks very cutie as well but it doesn't have murder so that's kind of funny. Um, and another thing is that this game has I, I really don't know how to describe the look of it. It's like a photorealistic picture book and the reason I say that is that you see it from a 2D perspective but it looks 3D but everything looks like it's made out of paper kind of there's like distinct layers. It's like if someone made a little diorama that looks like very shiny and polished, but then you can play the diorama. I've seen some people say it looks a bit like Animal Crossing, which I, I can see, but I think it has its own look. Mm. So this one's really interesting, and I don't know how the gameplay is going to go. It seems to be like a dungeon crawler, twin stick beat-em-up kind of thing. We don't know that yet, obviously. And something that's really interesting that I didn't see in any of the real marketing material is that this is a roguelike. And we've discussed that before. It's one of my favorite things. Basically, in roguelikes, 
go into a dungeon and if you die, it's permanent death and you lose all your resources. Usually, that isn't how it always works, but that's kind of how the modern interpretation goes. We'll need to see when this game comes out and it has no release date. It's just 2022. So it will come out on PC and console, but it hasn't said which consoles it will be. And I'm really excited about this. Um, Brendan, you did see it. Mm. Do you, you interested in this one? It looks very weird. Uh, I, I'm interested in it because it's weird. That's that's really where my line gets drawn. Uh, mostly because I'm not really into roguelikes or roguelites. Rogue lights. Um, but, I mean, it can't hurt to give it a try, right? Yeah. Especially since, like, Happy Tree Friends was very much a part of my high school life. Um, yeah. Many yeah, happy memories sitting in the back of class on a, a, what we thought was a modern cell phone looking at uh, Happy Tree Fans videos. Um, so I, I'm keen to see what it, what it looks like in, at the end of the day. Um, whether I'll end up playing it a lot, so I don't know. But Devolver kind of has a lot of sleeper hits within yeah. it. This, is, this right? is such a Devolver game. Yeah, I kind of think at this point developers... Are like going after a certain style to kind of like a bait devolver digital in and i don't know if that's what's a called confirmation bias or something that i already know it's a devolver game so i'm like oh yes this looks like a devolver game but i've seen some other indie games that are not at all associated and i think to myself oh this could be published by devolver so yeah i think if people are familiar with the work of this publisher and they watch the trailer for this which i really recommend they'll say yeah that's that's very much devolver um, so I don't know if I should go to my next game. Would you let's guys let's to... let's go let's go down the line and we'll come back to sure. it quickly. Uh, Robin, uh, you spotted a game called Lost Judgment. What's that about? Yeah, so that's kind of for I guess it's a spin-off of the uh, very popular Yakuza series. Uh, Lost Judgment is perhaps not as weird as some of the Yakuza games. So you kind of play a detective who is looking into a murder. Uh, I should perhaps preface this by saying this is kind of a JRPG title. Um, so there is a little bit of, uh, I guess, insanity involved in here. Uh, but it, it looks quite interesting as far as the detective story goes, uh, kind of exploring uh, the case, uh, chasing up leads, and trying to uncover what's actually going on. Um, one of the weirder aspects is that you go undercover into a high school, which I find really Oof. odd, considering that the main character looks in his 40s. So I'm not too sure how he's going to slip into, into high school life. You can also join things like the dance club and the robotics club in the boxing gym what? at the high school, which, which is very Yakuza in, in a you way. Teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Everyone's dream. So, so, so there are some, I guess, Yakuza-esque elements to it. Uh, and yeah, it, it just looks like an interesting story. The, the attention to detail and the, the graphics, uh, at least in terms of the how it's presented and trailers and stuff like that, looks really good. And I think it's perhaps maybe a refreshing change of pace uh, from the, I guess, other spinoffs in the, in the Yakuza series. So that's just one that I'm interested to kind of see what it looks like because... I do enjoy the odd uh, JRPG title here and there, and this looks like it could be right up my alley. Yeah, Yakuza games are quite fun. Like, I mean, they're such a different type of game to be complete, even within the JRPG genre. Like, they are just so unique 
like you you can't help but like look away and just be like what what's going to happen next because you never know what's going to happen next even though you might like suspect something is going like just the weirdest things can happen at the weirdest point in time so i'm kind of keen to see where this goes and uh do we know what platforms it's coming out on robin uh yeah so it looks like it's next gen for now um mm-hmm. uh, xbox series x and s and then ps5 it's coming out quite soon uh it's coming out next month uh, oh wow of september so uh we won't have to wait long to kind of see what it's all about and yeah like you said the, the yakuza series it obviously deals with some uh i guess serious issues but there is obviously that little uh, sprinkling of uh, absurdity. And uh, I, I expect the same to happen here with uh, Lost Judgment. I mean, the last game in the series, I can't remember the name of right now, but I remember a major plot point of that is homelessness and the way people are treated as homeless individuals. And then in the next scene, you're dressed up as uh, Mega Man and you're shooting people with a blaster and one guy like wields farts as an attack. So... Yeah, it's, it's a bit, uh, what's it? What's that word, something dissonance? dissonance? Yeah, dissonance. Yeah, whatever that word is, it, it's a bit weird. And also I want to mention before we move on to something else, um, a few of the Yakuza titles are on Xbox Game Pass. So if you want to try those out without you know any obligation of uh, finishing them or paying up front, uh, everyone should check that out if they have the time and the bandwidth to download it, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, something I saw that caught my eye because I spent way too much time in this game, uh, is Jurassic World Evolution 2, the sequel to Jurassic World Evolution. And essentially what you are doing here is you are creating your own Jurassic Park, I guess. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You're creating a, a park full of dinosaurs and there seems to be quite a few improvements, uh, just from the trailer that I saw. So things like, uh, water, water based dinosaurs, uh, being able to put them in places. There's a few different terrains. Uh, seems like you can create a, a dinosaur park in the middle of the, the United States, um, which is always fun. Um, some of the assets that they use will be familiar to like longtime Jurassic Park fans, uh, including the Jurassic Park San Diego from the lost world, uh, which was that big like circular rock type of thing, amphitheater. So that that might be cool to see. Um, you also see the visitor center from Jurassic Park World and then the Avery from that same movie. Um, but there are some cool things. There's obviously some new dinosaurs. Uh, Jeff Goldblum will still be doing uh, the voiceover as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard is uh, voicing Clear Deering again. Um, so kind of a return i hope that the, what they do with this is that they stop with the endless dlc packs there are so many dlc packs for this game it, it gets to the point of confusion um because it's like oh i want to build a park and then when you load up the game it's like oh buy this dlc buy this dlc i actually got tricked into buying dlc because i thought that it was going to do something that it didn't um felt a little bit burned by that but it's still a fun game regardless, right? I mean, how many games do you get to build a theme park full of dinosaurs? And there's a fair bit of strategy involved in it. Um, And obviously there's sandboxes where you can play around and do whatever you want. Uh, So I'm kind of keen to see where this goes. I especially just like these sort of theme park building games because they they mind this fun. And you can just kind of kick back on a Saturday night and, and load up a game and start playing with it. So I'm keen to see what happens here. Hopefully that they're not as aggressive as regards uh, uh, DLC for the game, because like I said, there was just, there's just been so much with the original game. 
Um, there's also obviously new dinosaurs, uh, new attractions, and then obviously you will be able to um, breed dinosaurs and augment their, their DNA and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Like a safe idea? I mean, you could do that in the first game, and 90% of the time the stuff would fail. So you kind of kind of just have to deal with it um it's the time it works every time. yeah so jurassic world evolution 2 is coming to epic games steam playstation and xbox on the 9th of november so it's just around the corner um so if you've been thinking of playing jurassic world's evolution maybe wait for this one because while i do enjoy the first game it does have a couple of problems, a couple of teething issues that if you play long enough you'll start to to recognize and Jurassic World seems to to deal with a lot of those, or Jurassic World Evolution 2. So, yeah, that's my choice. Uh, Clinton, there's another Avengers game, apparently. They're not the Avengers, Brendan. They're oh. Midnight Suns. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's Iron Man and Iron Man, and then there's Iron Man, so that's the Avengers, right? It's short Wolverine. That's the most important <laughs> part of the game. After we were terrorized by a seven-foot-tall Wolverine for years because of Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Uh, we now have a short Wolverine again. We stand a short Wolverine. Um, anyway, a few months ago, people remember that there was a rumor going around and the phrase that did a lot of numbers and a lot of articles was Marvel XCOM or Avengers XCOM because the rumor was that Firaxis, the developers behind the modern, the modern XCOM games, was working on a Marvel property and now those rumors were true, basically. The game is called Marvel's Midnight Suns, and it has been revealed. Some people will be annoyed because the reveal is basically a cinematic. There's literally no gameplay in it. But on the other hand, there will be a gameplay big worldwide reveal next week. It's actually at this point, it's in a few days. So it's a bit disappointing that we didn't see anything now, but we just have to be a bit patient. And man, I'm excited for this. I really loved XCOM one and xcom 2 the new ones um it was actually the first xcom games i ever played i didn't play the old ones and i hear they're a bit inaccessible if you want to go back and play them now um i had a lot of fun with them i did revel a bit in the insanity of those games where you have a 90 percent chance to hit and you miss and then your whole run is over so i'm not sure how much of that difficulty and that game design philosophy or whatever you want to call it is going to be in this new game. We will obviously have to wait and see. Um, but things look really cool. All the Avengers, or I, I think they just called them in Night Suns, the little group name, they all have little matching uniforms that are black and gold, which I think looks really cool, actually. <laughs> it does look really cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and the trailer did a really good job at selling it. And <laughs> Brendan and I had a little discussion. There's a... <laughs> There's a cover of Into the Sandman here by a group called The Warning with vocals by an artist called Alicia Carra. And this is kind of an officially sanctioned cover because it's on the Metallica Blacklist album, which is an album of covers uh, that's actually out on 10 September, which is soon. Brendan hates it. Um, I think it's pretty good. I think it's good as a trailer song. And I actually saw someone, I think it was on Twitter, call it Trailer Core which very much fits it. <laughs> it seems like this song was made to be in a trailer, but it's actually just made for an album and it happened to fit here. Yeah. Um, and this will be a tactics game, but we don't know how that will pan out. I mean, tactics can apply to a lot of things. Yeah. You can't say tactics game and we'll understand what you're talking about. 
I mean, yeah. like for instance, so XCOM is a tactics tactics yeah. game, but then so is Final yeah. Fantasy for, uh, 15. So, <laughs> like, it could take any one of those. Yeah. The, the prevailing thesis right now is that it's going to be similar to Fire Axis's last game, Chimera Squad. And I'm incli- inclined to believe that. And the reason is that Chimera Squad seemed like a very weird experiment for Fire Axis because it took the XCOM formula, but it stripped away a lot of what made it XCOM. It took away permadeath of characters, which has always been not only a story feature of the game, but a gameplay mechanic as well, because you need to balance your newcomers to replace guys who die. Mm. But then you also want to save up your guys who have lots of experience or big missions, but then they, they might die in those big missions. So that's always been a big part of it. And Chimera Squad came and turned that on its head by giving you characters who are set from the get-go with certain abilities and weapons and stuff like that. And it took away the customization. And it said, these are your guys. Manage them how you will. And they will change over time and you'll get new characters. But no longer do you have peons who just die and then you get a bit mad that you lost a unit. Yeah, And that makes sense because... I don't think Marvel will be happy if you make a game and then Wolverine gets absolutely smoked within the first 10 minutes because he misses a headshot or something ridiculous like that. So I really think that when this is revealed, we'll see a lot of XCOM Chimera Squad DNA inside of it. Um, That's just conjecture at this point, but I really think that is how it's going to be. And again, I can't tell you how hyped I was for the trailer. It's by far the most excited I've been for a trailer in a while. And I understand that's what a trailer does. It's supposed to get you excited. And no, I won't pre-order it. But everything looks good for now in terms of this game's trajectory. Mm. Axis hasn't disappointed. Um, I mean, some people didn't like the Long War. Uh, not the Long War. The War of the Chosen. Some people don't like what they did with the XCOM franchise at all, which I can understand. But they've been putting out bangers so far. Mm. The Character design looks great. They didn't try and make kind of cheap knockoffs of MCU characters like Marvel's Avengers, which was done by Crystal Dynamics. So that looks good. We obviously haven't seen the gameplay, but things are looking good right now. Maybe next week the gameplay comes out and on the podcast again, and I say this stuff looks awful. So (laughs) we'll have to see more. Um, Again, gameplay is next week, and it is releasing. uh, March 2022. Yeah, no, I'm, I was looking for the um, the platforms. Oh. I think it's PC and console. I can't find it right now. Um, please load. <laughs> I don't think they actually announced platforms. I might be wrong. It's probably going to be PC and console. It's always PC and console. Yeah. And the XCOM, XCOM games actually work just as well on a mouse, a, a gamepad, or even on a tablet. And some of the XCOM, XCOM games have been released on mobile. That's Midnight Suns. It's really hype. I'm excited for it. I hope I don't have my hopes dashed. And we'll see how it is next week. And March 2022 isn't that far away. So it's coming soonish. I just want to say, when I saw this trailer at first, I thought it was just DLC for the Avengers. And I kind of just tuned out. And then when I saw it was a, a, a standalone game, I was like, oh, okay. That looks kind yeah. of interesting. So, yeah. Hopefully, Firaxis can uh, breathe some life back into Marvel games after the uh, the poor showing that Avengers had. 
That um, just had a big, big, big expansion based on Wakanda and Black Panther. I need to play it, write something for it. I'll I've heard it. some good things so far, but not enough for me to. That game, it, we'll go into the next game now, but I just want to say Marvel's Avengers was, it didn't just have a rough launch that could be patched over. That game was fundamentally broken at its core. Um, so I really don't think an expansion can fix it. But again, I, I need to play the expansion before I pass judgment. Cool. Robin, another game from you is uh, Park Beyond, which is like a theme park tycoon style of game. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess you and I have a, a bit of nostalgia for theme park related games. Mm. Um, yeah, so this is coming out of Bandai Namco and it's set for 2022. Uh, that kind of large uh, launch window. Um, <laughs> they shared a cinematic-based trailer for it, so we don't really have a full idea of what the gameplay is going to be like. But it looked like a bit of a absurdity and silliness, which I think I've been missing in my games of late. Um, so that's kind of why it kind of piqued my interest. Also, I used to remember playing uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon on Windows, mm. and uh, I was a little bit uh, weird. I used to create roller coasters, but not complete them. <laughs> so I could see how far I could launch a uh, the, the cars and see how far they could crash off into the distance. I also remember playing Theme Park World on the PlayStation. Yeah. And the ability to kind of go into the theme park yourself and the actual parks were really weird and, and as far as like the different rides you could create. And I thought that was really, it was a, just a nice little bit of escapism uh, from more serious titles. And this looks to be the same. Uh, the only issue I have with it thus far is um, they're going to be cutscenes, and it looks like you'll be taking on the role of a up-and-coming theme park designer. Uh, and they use the word impossify what? a lot, and I don't like that. What, is imp- uh, what does that even mean? It's, I'm guessing, impossible and some other word that they've merged together in some kind of appeal to Generation X marketing kind of uh, nonsense. But I'm uh, hoping that uh, that's kind of kept to a minimum and we can re- really kind of create as many weird and wonderful rides as possible. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what's on my radar. Uh, just a little bit of silliness. Yeah, so the developer behind this is uh, Limbic Entertainment, which worked on Tropico, which might explain some of the absurdity here. Um, and might actually point to the idea of being a, a person in them or a theme park tycoon or entrepreneur, whatever you want to call them, and uh, having to bring certain parks. Just from some of the screenshots I'm seeing, it seems like there's a lot of different styles of theme park, and I wonder if you're going to have to manage those parks as part of the gameplay loop. I mean, it could be interesting at the end of the day. Um, I just like building weird stuff, man. Let me do that. Just let me build weird stuff and, and we'll be good. I haven't yeah, played so, a tycoon management game in years. I think maybe I should give them another try. Yeah, I remember. I think there were a few Twitch streamers that were playing Theme Park World again. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming it was an emulation from a PlayStation. And it just got my nostalgia running again. So hopefully... Just does a bit of the same, and I don't have to hear Impossify too much. <laughs> Just now, that's the name of the person, Impossify. 
Right. Okay. Moving on. Uh, the last game I want to touch on uh, wasn't necessarily announced during Gamescom. Uh, Gamescom. Uh, it was announced just before Gamescom's opening night live uh, kicked off, and that is Bungie's next expansion for Destiny Two, which is The Witch Queen. Um, so this uh, this expansion takes place in a, a hive god. Their name is Savathun within their throne world. A throne world is a sort of pocket dimension uh, within our own, but the rules are governed by the creator of that throne world, which in this case is Savathun. Um, there seems to be a couple of areas where players will be able to explore, including a swamp uh, and then a castle sort of area from where... Savathun rules her her brood um and that's really where the interesting stuff in this expansion kicks off is there's a new enemy type called the lucent brood which is basically the hive class that exists within destiny 2 at the moment uh, except now they have light subclasses uh where they can use the void arc and solar abilities that guardians or players have had access to for years they're not giving those to the enemy um, which should be very fun. There's also a new weapon type called a glaive. It's a first-person melee weapon uh, that can deploy, d- deploy an energy shield. It can fire projectiles, and then you can obviously do melee attacks. Um, everything's done in first-person, which I think is Bungie's way of trying to stop folks from using third-person peeking within a fir- first-person shooter. Um And yeah, a couple of cool things that are coming, including a crafting system uh, that looks very, very exciting, um, where you can basically create weapons, uh, which gives players a lot more agency than they have at the moment in terms of grinding for certain types of loot. Um, But the story here is what I really want to focus on for the moment, because Bungie has been just knocking it out of the park in terms of the story, and the Witch Queen is kind of a culmination of a story that Bungie has had in motion for seven years, according to them. Um, And this is kind of the wrapping up of what Bungie calls the light and dark saga of Destiny 2. So there's the Witch Queen, which is coming out in February next year. Uh, Then after that, there'll be another expansion called Lightfall. And then the final expansion within this saga uh, will be called The Final Shape. And then Bungie says that they will not be... uh, ending destiny or ending support for destiny once that expansion closes it's rather just the end of a storyline um now i want to i want to i bring this up because bungie has been working on another uh project called matter well as far as we know it's just called matter at the moment um and i do wonder whether this and destiny are related somehow uh, the longer we don't hear about matter, the more I tend to think that this is somehow Destiny related. Um, and it would make sense because Destiny has been a really big IP for Bungie over the years. Um, I mean, they managed to go independent, move away from Activision Blizzard and go off on their own. Apparently, since they've split from Activision Blizzard, they've welcomed 20 million new players to uh, their game. Um so this could be really interesting to see how this plays out in the next couple of years or next two years rather because uh, we should be able to get that or we should be able to see what happens there. Um, so 
there are three different types of pre-orders that are available. I want to focus on one, which includes something called the 30th Anniversary Pack. So Bungie was formed in 1991. Uh, this year is their 30th anniversary. And to celebrate that, they are at the end of the year, 7th of December, they'll be hosting an anniversary event where they'll uh, introduce a new dungeon in the um the infamous loot cave in the Cosmodrome, uh, the Gallowhorn exotic rocket launcher is coming back, uh, and then there will be certain ornament sets that are inspired by Bungie's previous games, including Marathon, um, which I don't think a lot of people know, uh, but it is a Bungie game, and then uh, there'll be some weapons inspired by games like Myth and then Marathon. So there's a couple of things uh, that are available, obviously, but the, the real thing here is the Witch Queen, which is the next the next installment in Destiny 2. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about this. There's a couple of really cool changes that are coming. Uh, for instance, the campaign, which has generally been a breeze to get through. Uh, Bungie's introducing a legendary campaign difficulty where... Uh, enemies will hit harder your respawns are limited so if you want a bit of a challenge uh, you can opt to do that and i think a lot of folks will because traditionally the 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 destiny campaigns have been a little bit easy um some people will argue that that's a good thing some will argue it's bad i, I don't really mind i'm in the camp where options are always a good thing so that's really, really cool. I'm glad to see that Bungie is taking a lot of uh, feedback from players and implementing it into the game in terms of things like implementing an anti-cheat for uh, their, their PvP modes um, and then just different things, right? Uh, in addition to this, there'll also be uh, reworks to how light subclasses work. So if you currently play Destiny, you'll know that there's a clear definition between uh, Void Arc and Solar and then the new Darkness subclass, which is Stasis. So uh, they're trying to bring parity to that, creates a unified platform. And I think there's some really good stuff that, that Bungie is doing here uh, for the long-term health of Destiny 2. So yeah, that's coming out in uh, February, the 2nd of February, 2022. So the release date in US lingo is 22222. Um, I don't know why. Maybe there's some significance to that. Uh, obviously, the Witch Queen will introduce a new raid, uh, new dungeons, new weapons, uh, new exotics, whole bunch of stuff. So if you're a Destiny fan, uh, now's a good time to be excited for what's to come in the future. And uh, the art that they have revealed so far is absolutely fantastic, especially the character model of Savathun, who players haven't seen until now. So yeah, very, very interesting stuff coming out from Bungie. I I'm keen to see what the next year brings. It's, I just uh, had um, two questions for you, Brennan. Yes. First is, do you think that matter is going to be Destiny 3? And the second is... Uh, both your, yourself uh, and Sahil and I uh, have kind of been day one as for Destiny mm. 2. Um, I, however, kind of pulled out probably a year ago mm. uh, after, uh, I think, just before the, the, the um, journey to Europa. Yeah. Um, if I enter back into Destiny 2, will I enjoy myself? Am I going to have a lot to do? So the first felt like that was a real issue uh, yeah. for the past few months. So uh, with um, to answer your first question, do I think matter is Destiny three? I do, but I don't think it's going to be called Destiny three. So I think what Bungie is building up to here is creating a world where, or 
a sort of law where guardians exist. And I think matter is kind of the breaking away from the traveler as the main uh, good guy and the darkness being the main bad guy. I think that we're going to reach a point where uh, it, it's sort of like everybody's doing their own thing. And I think matter is that. I think matter is kind of a culmination of everything Bungie has been working towards over the last couple of years with regards to Destiny 2 um, and, and creating a new game that doesn't necessarily that is kind of inspired by destiny 2 but isn't necessarily that um but it could just be a completely new game as well I, we don't know they have been very very quiet about it um but yeah to answer your question as short as possible yes i do but i don't think it's going to be in the same vein as destiny uh to answer the second question is now a good time to do to play the game i would vote yes absolutely um if you've played destiny before i think now is a good time to get in on the ground floor and prepare for the next expansion and what i mean by to say by that is not necessarily doing the loot grind and grinding power levels and stuff like that but more to keep up with the story because What's happening now in the, the latest season for Destiny 2, Season of the Lost, launched on, launched on Tuesday. And Bungie described it as the build-up to the Witch Queen expansion. Um, is there a lot to do? There is too much to do in Destiny. Uh, so if you want to do, for instance, uh, PvP, player versus player stuff, there is a lot for you to do. Whether that's just playing around in the Crucible, doing Iron Banner, uh, running trials every weekend... Like there's a lot to do in that aspect. If you're more of a PVE sort of person, um, there's a lot of replayability with strikes now. Uh, they've changed a lot of the systems that were in place previously, making replayability a lot more rewarding. Um, there's also raids and yeah, there's also something I do want to mention is that crossplay is now available for all platforms. So, for instance, on Tuesday night, I played the new seasonal activity. Um, with people from PlayStation, Xbox, uh, and Steam. All of us all playing together. It was honestly the most fun I've had in Destiny in a very long time. Uh, because it's just like the mentality just seems to be a lot better from players when you kind of got other people from other platforms watching you. Like I myself am kind of like, oh, well, I'm playing with some Xbox players. I better show them how nice our... Uh, our PC community is, uh, even though nobody seems to really care at the end of the day. I just feel like the community just feels a lot stronger now that everybody is playing together. Um, to be clear, that does not include PvP. You have to opt in to play with people on other con or other platforms if you want to play PvP, which I think is fair because mouse and keyboard really does have an advantage over controllers. I can't play anything that involves shooting with a controller anymore. Mm. I, it's so funny. In high school, I used to play Modern Warfare 2 on the PS3 for an, un, an unhealthy amount of time every day. I think on the weekends, I did nothing but play Modern Warfare 2, which would explain a lot about my life right now. But anyway, um, and I tried to play Gears of War 1 the other day on a controller, and I wanted to die. <laughs> I can't aim with the stick anymore. So yeah, I think now is a good time to get into Destiny 2. Um Although, that having been said, it would mean you would have to buy Beyond Light and at least uh, the season, season of the last. Uh, so it is a bit of an investment in money. Um, so if you can't afford it, don't do it. If you can afford it, maybe give it a try and you like these sort of games. There really is a lot to do. There's a lot of exploring to do. 
Um, we're just at the top of the season, and it's going to be six months long. So I'm hoping that Bungie has uh, a few surprises and secrets planned out for the next six months. Um, otherwise, it is going to become long in the tooth, uh, as is generally the case with Destiny seasons. But the future looks really good. Um, I know this is kind of a habit of Destiny fans is the future looks really good. Uh, and then in six months time, I'm complaining about stuff. But honestly, I can't remember the last time. Oh, well, I can. It was Season of the Worthy. was the last truly bad season I felt Bungie had. Since then, the story beats that they've been, that they've been introducing, the uh, cutscenes, the voice acting has just upgraded to another level uh the days of destiny's story being told in law books that you have to read are well and truly over uh there are cutscenes every almost every week at this at this stage the voice acting is superb bungie has nailed down a really great group of voice actors who are willing to work with them um so yeah i think that if you are a destiny fan who's kind of taken a break i think now is a really good time to get into the game and and give it another try um, yeah, to answer your questions very, very longly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good to hear. I, I guess I have to, I have to find Zurich and move some money around now. <laughs> Just uh, George Soros, man. He's sending checks now, end of the month. How much? <laughs> Hold on, Ritten. Is Destiny yeah. 2 free now, right? So, yeah, so, the so free. base game is free. So you can jump into Destiny 2 right now and you can play PvP. You can try a gambit. You can run a few strikes. Uh, the only things that you will not be able to do are uh, some seasonal content will be locked for you. You'd have to buy the season pass in order to access it. Um, and some, I, I believe all raids at the moment are locked behind uh, a, the paywall. You'd have to have the, the latest expansion to access them. Um, but other than that, I oh sorry, no, Vault of Glass is free. There is one free raid for yeah. for free to play players. This is yeah, the Steam page is a bit long. Um, <laughs> there's okay, there's the free version. Play Destiny Two. It's already in my library. Okay, yeah, Destiny Two Legendary Edition, which comes with a lot of stuff. Yeah, but it doesn't come with Beyond Light or the Witch Queen. Yes, it includes Forsaken so, and Shadowkeep, I believe. So there's like three massive expansions. It seems like. So, okay, so if you want to buy Destiny and you want to play right now and you want to play all the active content, uh, you want to buy the Deluxe Edition, which contains Shadowkeep and Forsaken. The reason yeah, I say that... That's usually 1150 1, but it's actually half price right now yeah. until the end of the month. So the reason I say that you need those two is because there are weapons and there's content within those two expansions that are fun to play, number one, and kind of par for the course so you get access to the garden of Sal salvation raid the last wish raid which is honestly the best raid destiny has ever done um and then you get uh, access to all the strikes and weapons within that beyond light is i believe it's a separate purchase that you need to make and within that you get access to europa the new stasis uh, subclasses as well as the deep stone crypt raid um, and then you will need to buy a season pass, which is a thousand silver. It's an additional purchase. Um, I'm not sure how much that costs at the moment. It will differ depending on your platform. Um, so yeah, so if you want to play Destiny right now, you need to buy the deluxe pack, Beyond Light, and then a season pass to be able to access absolutely everything without running into a, hey, buy our game sort of thing. 
Um, yeah. it's a, it's quite a big investment. I, I'm not going to lie. It is a big investment, but you get a lot of content for, for that fee. Even if you never touch raid, you never set foot into PVP, you will have a lot to do, uh, with it, those, with those expansions. Does the free version have any, um, like, uh, the free version of Rainbow Six Siege yeah. really limits you in your experience and st- other games are like a quarter of the paid version. Is Destiny 2 like that? Or Not you at just all. content? I mean, so you can't access certain content, right? You can't access content that is specifically for paid uh, or paying paying players. So things like raids will be locked off to people who pay for the expansion. But if you just want to run around in a patrol zone and do public events with people and get some weapon drops... Uh, that's all open to you. You get access to the subclasses, uh, the the base subclasses, I would rather say. Um, And, I mean, those aren't limiting in any respect whatsoever. Uh, I mean, generally, I'm running stuff that has been in the game since the beginning. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you don't, it's not limiting in the sense that you can only play to a certain point and then Bungie puts out its hand. Uh, You, you, it's limited in the sense that if you want to try some other stuff, some more premium content, then you have to pay for it. But if you just want to run around, shoot some aliens with friends, you can download Destiny for free and do that without an issue. Oh, that sounds good, but I don't know, man. At one point, I was addicted to Warframe 2. Uh, not Warframe 2, Warframe. And it was basically like crack. And I don't want to become addicted to another live service game again. <laughs> That's the whole reason I may never played Destiny 2 properly. I uh, I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't relapse. Yeah. Right. I think that's going to do it from us. I've spoken to way too much about Destiny at this point. Um, so to sum up, coming up from Gamescom, we have Lost Judgments, which is a Yakuza spinoff. Uh, park Beyond, which is a theme park builder. Uh, Cult of the Lamb, which is a Happy Tree Friends-inspired game from Devolver Digital. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is Virax's foray into the Marvel world, um, which seems really, really great. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution 2 and The Witch Queen, all coming from Gamescom earlier this week. Uh, there's a lot more games coming obviously throughout the year that we didn't cover um but yeah i think that should be enough for most people to sink their teeth into for the for the next year in games uh but that's going to wrap it up from us for this week from myself brendan lodge cheerio from clinton matos bye everybody and from robin lichetti okay everyone we'll see you next week cheerio Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.